Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today, the title is Getting Rid of the Baggage. Getting Rid of the Baggage, Joshua 5, 1 to 9. And speaking of baggage, I was think, kind of thinking about this. I thought of moving. Don't you just love moving? Isn't that something you really look forward to moving, right? Not, right? We hate moving. Why? It, why not? Because it's a lot of hard work, right? It's hard work. It's very stressful. You know how those stress points in life and, and moving is one of the highest stress points there is. It's, it's, nobody likes moving. But the really hard part about moving is not moving all of our stuff, which is a lot. I remember the last time we moved here, I think Kim packed 365 boxes, you know, by yourself. We didn't have movers, you know, pastors. You know, it was a nightmare. But uh, it's not moving all of our stuff. The hardest part, no, the hardest part is getting rid of all the stuff we don't need to move, right? And, you know, many times you put the dumpster out there and just fill it up. And, and I've helped move a lot of you. And I was like thinking, wish we had another dumpster. So, yeah, we, you know, it's, it's hard to move, but it's, it's getting rid of the stuff we don't need, Right. Before we can move to a new place, we have to get rid of the junk. The junk. And spiritually, it's the same thing as we're going to see from this passage today. Before we can move forward spiritually, we have to cut out the garbage, the spiritual garbage, out of our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our worship team today, leading us in worship. We thank you for getting us here, just as we've faced some trials this morning here at the service. I know many, probably all of us have faced many trials just getting here to church, getting through this week. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit, through your mercy and grace, would speak to us now through your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the passage first of all. Joshua 5, starting with verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Whew! Circumcision. Circumcision is when you cut off the skin at the top of the male sex organ. It's very, very painful. Very, 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 very painful. And it's usually done to babies. Usually today we don't do it for spiritual reasons, right? It's hygienic. But the Israelites were commanded to 
circumcised their sons for spiritual reasons. When they were how many days old? Eight days old, just after the seventh day. Eight days old, they had to be circumcised. That was, and now they should have all, all these guys who are being circumcised should have already been circumcised, right? It should have already been done. But the parents had neglected to follow God's command to circumcise their children. They were unfaithful. They were faithless. That's why they're all dead. All the parents are dead in the desert. They weren't going into the promised land. And this just shows they wouldn't enter the first time God commanded. They didn't have the faith to do it. And now they neglect their children's very important spiritual ceremony with their children, and which we'll talk about a little bit more later. They were faithless because circumcision was to be a sign of their difference. They were to be different, set apart, holy. It was an outward picture of an inward spiritual reality. As that skin was cut away, that's a picture of cutting away sin and cutting away the old man. That's what it was a picture of. But they hadn't done it. God had made this covenant with Abraham. With Abraham. And Abraham and his sons and descendants were all supposed to be circumcised. They hadn't, as we saw from the passage here, they hadn't done it in Egypt either. They had neglected the practice in Egypt. And that's why Moses, at the time of the Exodus, he had all the males circumcised. That's why it talks about the first time and the second time. The first time was by Moses. The second time was by Joshua. And both prepared them for the Passover. Both circumcisions prepared them to celebrate the Passover, which was also neglected here, in the, as we'll see in the, in the wilderness. We'll talk about that next week. But both are a picture of circumcision. Who did the first one? Well, besides Abraham. But who did the first one? Moses. Who does the second one? Joshua. It's a picture of the law and Jesus, Joshua, Hebrew, Jesus, Greek, Jesus. There's two different circumcisions here. Both are a picture of the law, in, in, in which was a physical, and Jesus, which is a spiritual circumcision. Okay, And it says here that the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away. The reproach of Egypt. What's the reproach of Egypt? They had become just like the Egyptians. They weren't circumcised. They weren't circumcising themselves. They had become just like the Egyptians, and they were worldly. It's a picture of worldliness. They had become like the Egyptians. They, through world, they become worldly through sinful neglect. And that's a picture for us as parents, with our children. For us as individuals, we can become like the Egyptians. We can become worldly through sinful neglect if we aren't careful to Practice spiritual circumcision. Very, very important lesson to us here. And this is why they named the place Gilgal. And Gilgal means what? Rolled away. Rolling, all right? And it's because the idea is that the reproach of Egypt, their worldliness, has been rolled away, has been taken away. Now, another reason why it could be called Gilgal and rolling also is because they were probably all rolling in pain after this. This is a very extremely painful thing to do to an adult. Babies they don't know about, but adult, very, 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 very painful. Um, even worse, uh, ladies, I know you're going to be upset by this, but even worse than childbirth. Even worse. I'm sure these guys wear their rolls and I know, you don't tell me, I know this is worse than childbirth, even worse than childbirth. And, and this really was painful. Holiness hurts 
God is making a point here with making them do it. Holiness hurts. Why didn't he pick tattooing? You know, get a tattoo, right? You know, that's a little painful, but you know. But why did he pick circumcision? Why did he pick the most painful option imaginable? Because he's telling, he's sending a message to Abraham and to everybody. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you need to be different. You need to be dedicated. You need to be willing to go through anything, any kind of pain, because that's what circumcision was. It was very painful, but it was a picture of a spiritual reality, which spiritual circumcision is just as painful as we're going to talk about here. Holiness hurts. Remember this. Holiness hurts. But God says to them, you're not going any further until you're holy. You're not moving any further until you're holy. And this was crazy. Look, think, have you ever thought about what they did? Look what they really did. This was crazy. They crossed into enemy territory, getting ready for a big battle, and they stopped and circumcised themselves, which left them completely helpless and defenseless. They, ten men could have marched out of Jericho and killed them all. Easily. Easily happened. And it, they were completely Helpless. Not only that, it gave Jericho time to fortify. What are they doing? Once you start to make the move toward battle, you make the move toward the battle. They did. They stopped. They gave them time to fortify, to set themselves up. It, it, think of this. It's like our army decides, well, we're going to go back to Iraq. We'll use Iraq, one of the more recent ones. And so the general says, okay, guys, march across the border into Iraq. They get into Iraq. He says, wait, everybody stop. Take out your, your army knives, whatever they use. What do they use now? K-bar, take out your K-bar, thank you. Uh, take out your K-bar, and, and I want each of you to take out your own appendix. No no painkiller, just take out your appendix. Because I don't want to be slowed up later on by an appendix attack. That's It would be crazy to do that, right? But that's exactly what they do. This is crazy, but holiness is God's top priority. Understand, this is really, really important for us. Not only that, it's his number one attribute. If you were to describe God in America today, what do we say? God is love, right? God is love. He's his fuzzy, lovey grandfather, right? Nuh-uh. His number one, the reason we think that is because pastors have not faithfully preached God's word. And we don't understand that God is first holy. He's holy. That's his first attribute. And that holiness is what caused him to sacrifice his son, his one and only son who he loved so much. That holiness demanded somebody pay the price. He's holy and just, and sin must be paid for. And that's what caused him to move in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But God's holiness is what demanded that his son die in our place so that we could have a place with God. Holiness. It's really, really important. We understand it. How important holiness is to a holy God. And, and, but why not? Now here's this question. Why not circumcise them before they cross the Jordan? Wouldn't that make more sense? Be safer. There'd be this flooded river between them and Jericho. There'd be no danger of the enemy attacking them. They can't cross that river. Uh, remember, God had to open a way for them to walk through. Why didn't they do it that way? Because crossing the river is a picture of our salvation. Crossing that river. Remember, we talked about this. When, when, you, when we cross our Jordan River, the judgment, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin to pay for my sin, and I repent of that sin, 
I turn away from that old life, and I'm putting my faith in Jesus, giving my life to him. The moment you do that, you have been saved. You have experienced salvation. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. That's what crossing the river is a picture of. That's a physical picture of a spiritual thing that we do at salvation. But now before we can move forward in the Christian life, before we can gain victories, before we can experience the blessings of our our salvation, before we can enjoy the blessings, we must be committed to holiness. It comes after salvation. We must be committed to holiness. When we cross the Jordan River, when we're saved from sin and judgment... We're saved, but now it's time for the next step. And this is what we don't do very well in the church in America. That's why the church is a mess. The, the next step is, is very, very important. And that's, God says, now is the time. You've been saved. You've been, got your, gonna, got your relationship with God. We have eternal life. We're promised this life now. But God says, you're, you're saved, but now is the time. We're over the river. Our old self has died with Christ. We have a new position with Jesus Christ in our resurrection life. But God says, now is the time to cut out the junk in your life. Now is the time to circumcise, cut out the old man. Now is the time to get rid of those sinful habits and the old attitudes. And some are instant. Some are instant. It's interesting. Deuteronomy 9. Some... At salvation, some sins just disappear. Some are instant. instant. Deuteronomy 9, verse 1 says this. Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. These people are strong and tall. Anakites, you know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today... That the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you. And you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised you. So we see that this is a picture, once again, crossing the river, picture of salvation. He's using a picture here of the, these genetic giants, the Anakites. That's where Goliath probably came from. They, they just had the genetics to be really big. Goliath was about nine feet tall. They found skeletons eight feet tall in this area. Huge skeletons. They had to be very, very scary. They're just genetic giants. They would have been all the NBA players of today, right? Uh, so this, this, is what, this is what was there. But he, he's telling them, God says, no problem. You're going to knock these giants out fast. And remember when you became a Christian? Remember when you put your faith in Jesus? Remember what happened? The Holy Spirit came in and there were many big sins that just disappeared. Boom. Wasn't that awesome? Just certain things that, that all we, we struggled with and they were just gone. And they've been gone forever. Gone. But there are some other sins that are real buggers. As we'll see here. Let's look at, to find why there's some big giants get knocked out. Why there's some little buggers that don't get knocked out so quick. We have to go back to Exodus. And in Exodus 23, God gives us a hint of another type of sin struggle. And in Exodus 23, 27, he says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites. Canaanites, Hittites, out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year 
because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So we see a promise. He's going to knock the Anakites out. The giants are going to get knocked right out. And yet, whoop, some of these Hivites and I call them termites. You know, all the ites there. They're termites. They're little buggers. They're, you know, he says, no, I'm going to exterminate them little by little. Or the land will become desolate. There'll be wild animals. What is he saying? He's saying, you couldn't handle it. If I drove, I'm going to knock out the giants, but if I knocked out everybody all at once, you couldn't handle it. And either can we. Either can we. That's why God leaves us battles and struggles, because he knows we can't handle it. We would not grow spiritually after salvation if we didn't have spiritual battles. That's why he leaves it there for us. We, we wouldn't grow. Look what happens when you have all victory. When everything's going perfectly, spiritually and every other way, what do we do? <laughs> we get proud and we don't depend on God anymore, Right? Well, you might know someone like that. But, you know, that's, you know we, we just don't need God anymore. And, but God is, it wants us to stay dependent. Some take time, and God leaves that there to develop our, the great, God's grace in our life, to grow our faith so that we learn self-discipline, right? That's why he leaves these battles in our life. Some battles he's, we're going to have till the day we die. Some have been long gone. Some we gain victory by little by little by little bit. And others we will take to our grave. The battle will take to our grave. God will keep us dependent on his mercy and grace. But they, we still got to fight it. And they still must go. Before we can move forward, before we can take the Jerichos and strongholds in our life, we must commit to holiness. God, take whatever you need to take. Whatever I need to surrender. Take whatever needs to go. We, that, that, has to be part, that has to be the prayer after salvation. We, as Christians, must be willing to be circumcised. Spiritually. Made some of you nervous, didn't I? Spiritually. Spiritually circumcised. In fact, in Romans 2, it says this. In Romans 2, 28, he says, in Romans 2, 28 and 29, listen to what it says about circumcision. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, but is, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Circumcision was a physical picture when Moses practiced it. Gave it to the, you know, when they did it the first time out of Egypt. That was a picture of what Joshua was going to fulfill. Jesus was going to fulfill. It was a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Circumcision is all about cutting out of sin out of our lives. That's what it's all a picture of. We're saved, and now we must be sanctified. Sanctified, to be set apart. That's when we say, God, clean me up. And it's a lifelong process, but, that's, but it's, it's, a, it's a commitment that we have to make. There has to be that time where we commit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, God, I, I'm saved, but I want to give you control of my life and surrender this life. We will not move forward spiritually until we do that. And it's, and it's, it's painful. It hurts <laughs> If you don't think Christianity is painful, you've never done this. You've never fought the spiritual battles. You're probably still living a very worldly life. It's painful. It's 
it hurts to tear out the strongholds out of our life. The, the lifelong habits, these lifelong ruts that we're in. These, the hard-to-quit sins, you know what I'm talking about? The addictive sins, the enjoyable sins. You know, certain sins I, I can fight all day long. I hate them. They're disgusting. What's hard? It's the ones I like. <laughs> it's the sins that we like that are hard to get rid of because we like them. We'll talk more about that as we get through in the book of Joshua. The, the addictive sins. Notice they said sins, not just addictions. There's no such thing as just an addiction. It's an addictive sin. In fact, Hebrews 12 says this about, about it. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now here's a key here. When he says the sin that so easily entangles, some of you have an older version. Remember that old King James thing? That old King James version? It's a classic. What does it say there? Besetting sins. Besetting sins. And I love that, that term. Besetting sin is, is a sin that we're especially prone to. That we have a weakness for. That we're vulnerable to. And, and, and notice he calls it a sin, not a disease. Besetting sins. It's not a disease. It's a sin. An addictive sin. There's no pill that is going to solve this problem. Understand something. There's no pill that's going to solve it. You're going to have to battle this. It's a spiritual war. It is spiritual warfare if we want to defeat these sins in our life. These besetting sins. It's a battle. It's a battle. You may be here today and you may be saved. You may have put your faith in Christ. You may have prayed that prayer and given your life. But before we can move forward in sanctification, in spiritual victory, we have to be committed to holiness no matter how painful it is. No no matter how long we have to persevere. And I get that. No matter how painful or how long we have to persevere, even if it's a whole life of fighting this thing, we have to be committed to that if we're going to move forward spiritually. Spiritually, what do we need to cut out of our life today? What do we need to cut out? What's our baggage? What is the sin that the Holy Spirit... I'm sure there's a whole list there, I'm thinking. Uh, What is the Holy Spirit convicting us about repenting of? Repenting means you're walking one way and you turn around and walk the other. That's a visible picture of repentance. What do we need to repent of? Maybe it's a besetting sin. Something we're vulnerable to. Something that's haunted us for so long. And, and, we need to, and if, that, if that's the case, we need accountability. Accountability. If you really... That's why the Bible says confess your sins one to another. This is the thing. Someone said this to me one time and I never forgot it. If we really want victory... We will confess our sin, and talking about a besetting sin, we will confess that besetting sin to God and to another person. And that is so true. When you really want victory, you will not just confess it to God, but you'll confess it to another person that you can trust, that you know is going to be there for you. That is the key to breaking that secret sin, to breaking the power of that. There's a power in confessing it to God and to another person because then you have someone who's going to encourage you and hold you accountable and help you battle with that and pray for you. Very, very important. What is, your, what is the baggage that we need to cut out? What baggage is holding us back? Maybe it's, it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. 
Maybe it's unforgiveness. And if that's the case, once again, I encourage you, if we can't get past that, talk to somebody. Find another Christian brother and sister to talk to. Get, find a good Christian counselor. I got, all, I got some great counselors. Get, get, the, get rid of the baggage that's holding us back, hurting us. Is there something that's killing us spiritually? Think about this. This is circumcision and not moving forward. Is there something that's killing us spiritually? What do we need to let go? To let go of? Maybe it's the TV. Maybe it's our computer. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's our phone. Maybe it's putting the blocks on, blocks on something. You know, you can put these safety blocks on. Maybe it's covenant eyes. Covenant eyes is a great ministry tool where anything you look at on your phone or your computer that someone your your accountability partner will get a list of that and they'll see what you looked at and they'll know it really helps it really helps maybe maybe you got to get rid of something (gasps) my tv maybe 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 we got to get rid of something whatever it takes maybe what is killing us spiritually get your help get your accountability and if you can't this not working get rid of it let it go. Where the red fern grows, great book. Uh, but in the, where the red fern grows, a boy was, wanted to buy some hunting dogs, and so he had, to, he had to trap some raccoons to get some money, and he, didn't have a, he was too young to have a gun, so his grandpa taught him a trick on how to catch raccoons. He said, bore a hole in the log and, and drive some nails into the hole, drive them through so they're all pointed in, you know, got like a little trap there. And then he says, put a little piece of tinfoil in that, in that hole. Then come back the next day. Came back the next day and there's a raccoon holding onto that tinfoil. He couldn't get his hand out because the nails had been... He could put his hand, his little paws, you know, in there to grab it. But then when he grabbed the hole, he made a fist and he couldn't pull it out because the nails were all around there. Couldn't pull it out. And the kid walked up and clubbed the raccoon and killed it. That raccoon could have walked away any time. He was there all night. But he wouldn't give up that stupid little piece of tinfoil, that little piece of garbage. Wouldn't give it up. Isn't that crazy? But we do the same thing. We're getting hammered by something. And God is saying, let it go. Walk away from it. Are, are, we, are we committed to that holiness, to cutting it out? I'll, I'll say this too. Uh, are we committed to battling for our kids as parents? Dads, it's our job, dads. Are we protecting our kids? Are we battling for them? Or are we passive? Are we negligent? Like Adam in the garden with Eve, right? The passive, he didn't you know, get involved in time there. Are we passive? Look what's happened in our, in our town the last couple of weeks. The crazy things that just happened. Parents didn't know about some really crazy things, right? Do we know who our kids' friends are? Do we know what our, our kids are doing with their friends? Do we tell our kids, no, the forgotten word in parenting today, no? I've, I've seen Christian parents allow their kids, I know my kids do things, and I don't know about it, and they get, I know they do it, you don't have to tell me, but I don't let them do it. I know Christian parents let their kids do something, I'm like, why did you let your kid go there, or do, what were you thinking? I, I didn't want to make them feel like they're the only ones, you know, didn't want to upset them. Do we say no? Are we are we being really are we being careful with with are we are we protecting them? Do we just send them off to college and do we do we just send them off to college and, and let them get brainwashed 
Or do we make sure there's a solid Christian group for them to be part of? And if they're struggling and they're not doing well, do we yank them out and make sure they go to a Christian school? I'm not saying there's right or wrong, but, but if, they're not flourish, if they're not doing well spiritually, get them out before you lose them. I could tell you stories about our family, what we've been through. We've learned, you know, but it's really, really important. What are, what are we doing? Are we protecting our kids? Are we, do we watch what they, are we making sure what they're watching on TV or the music they listen to or what they're looking at on their computers or their phones or the gaming that they're playing? Kids are influenced by these things. It's a fact, right? They're, they're, it's dangerous. Would you let them have a loaded gun in their room? No, well, a, a, an unmonitored computer is a lot more dangerous than a loaded gun. Very, very dangerous spiritually. And are we protecting our families? Are, do, do we make sure that the TV is out in the open or the computer's out in the open? Do we have the, the, the blocks on the TV? Kim and I, we got a new system yesterday and we were up late setting all these parental blocks last night. How many channels are there now, right? It's like crazy. But, but they, we, are we putting those blocks on? Very, very important. Do we check our kids' phones? You have the right to do that, parents. If they don't like it, don't take their phone away. Don't pay for it, right? You know, you, you know, do we check their phones? Do we check the movies they're watching? Do we talk about when, they, when there's something inappropriate? We can't avoid it. It's impossible today, right? But when something's inappropriate, do we talk about it? And do we, do we show them we're at a movie together and something appropriate? We get up and walk out. It's okay to walk out. You don't get arrested for that. All right. You, uh, do, we, do, we, do we talk about stuff? Do we speak up? Do we cut this junk out? If we don't, we're, we're leaving our kids in a dangerous place. We need to really dialogue with them and talk with them and prepare them for the battles that they're going to be facing constantly. If we don't, we're leaving them in a dangerous place. I was watching an animal special years ago, and I never forgot it. There was a mother lion with her two little cubs, and this lioness uh, decided to set up camp. She set up camp right on top of a cobra's nest. She didn't know there was cobras there. She set up, she set up the, the place where they sleep around right the cobra's nest. This cobra didn't like it. Cobra came out and bit the mother. I think, they, I think she spit in, spit in her eyes first. She blinded her. Then she bit her. Then she uh, bit both of the cubs. And so here's this mother blinded. She's stumbling around. She doesn't know what's going on. She can't find her cubs. The cubs don't survive the bite. They die. Hyenas come out of the bushes and eat them. She finally, it was such a horrible thing to watch. But lions eat people, to eat, eat things too, right? So they're always eating some poor little animal. But anyway, but it was horrible to watch. The, 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 finally, she got her eyesight back. She survives the bite. And all, there's nothing left. The children were eaten, devoured. And there's so many... Christian parents who are allowing that to happen. Are we battling for our kids? What do we need to cut out of our lives? What do we need? Are we willing to, no matter how painful, no matter what God calls us to cut out, what, are we need, what do we need to cut out of our lives to reach our spiritual potential, to, reach our, to achieve our spiritual purpose so that our children can reach their spiritual purpose? What do we need to cut out of our life? just going to close with this little story here which I've never forgotten 1904 Olympics I talked to you about this years ago you might remember in St. Louis it says there was a strange sight a lineup of 31 runners were there for the Olympic marathon when they lined up for the marathon 1904 Olympics but the strange sight was in that 31 runners there was a little Cuban runner named Felix Carvajal and he showed up, he was a postman in Cuba, and he showed up in his postman outfit. He had long pants, 
long sleeve shirt and these clunky old shoes that he delivered to Malin. He showed up to run the marathon. <laughs> and they're like, what's he going to do? How can he run in that? And just before the starting gun went off, Martin Sheridan, the gold medal discus thrower from the United States, felt sorry for him, ran over with a pair of scissors, and he grabbed his pants and he cut off the, the, the pant leggings to make shorts. He cut off his sleeves so that he, he didn't have long sleeves anymore, but he couldn't do anything about the shoes. So this guy runs the marathon in these clunky shoes. Boots, really. Runs them. And he did amazing. He didn't win, didn't medal, but he did so well. They said if he didn't have those stupid shoes on, he probably would have won the gold medal. What do we need to cut out? What's holding us back from the ultimate prize? But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. As we pray about this, this is a very painful <laughs> sermon, isn't it? What is God calling us to give up? What is holding us back? What will we do with it today? What you decide to do with the clunky old shoes today will affect the rest of your life and eternity. Are you willing to pray right now and say, God, I surrender this to you, whatever it is. And there's a lot of things, whatever it is. Cut out of my life whatever it takes. God, you can have it, whatever it takes. And maybe it's something that's been a besetting sin. And you've prayed about it so many times, but you've never confessed it to another person. Maybe your commitment today is, God, show me who I can share this with, someone I can trust, someone who can help me, whether it's a friend, whether it's me, the pastor, or Kim, whether it's a Christian counselor, somebody, youth pastor, teacher. God, I will do whatever it takes I'll confess this to whoever it takes. I will go wherever you need me to go to get my healing. And while we're praying those prayers, remember this affects not just today, but the rest of our life and all of eternity, this spiritual circumcision. And while we're praying about that, I want to speak to those here who are just seeking spiritually. You're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus. But you're really thinking about it. But you haven't crossed over that river yet. You're still stuck in the mud. <laughs> still 
stuck in sin and judgment. But maybe today you're ready to take the step of freedom, the step of faith, giving your life to Jesus Christ. God has made a way. He is a holy, just God, but he does love us. And he has made a way across that river of judgment and sin and garbage and filth and shame. He has made a way to forgiveness and a brand new life, a real life that starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus and goes throughout all eternity with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We had no way out. We had no way across that river. So Jesus came and stepped into that river of judgment for us. He went onto the cross in our place. He died for our sin, took our judgment. And if we will put our faith in him, giving our life to him, it can all be washed away. We can leave our baggage, our sin, our shame, all at the foot of the cross under the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you want that freedom today? That new life today? You can have it by surrendering your life to Jesus. Right now, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, wherever you are. The prayer of faith. God knows our heart. God, please forgive my sin. Please take away my shame. I surrender my life to you. I repent of the sin and the old life. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son. I give my life to him. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit's come inside of you and you're in for a whole new life. Your life will never be the same. It's going to be a spiritual battle and it's going to be awesome at the same time. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer of faith. Maybe tell me on the way out. Maybe have a friend here, a family member. Tell somebody. Fill out the card. Send me an email or a text. Let somebody know. So we can encourage you. Be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. Father, I pray that everyone here 
would know this new life in Christ. And Father, we pray that each of us would not just know salvation, but we would know sanctification. We would know freedom in Christ. And Lord, I know that this, the key first step is we have to make up our mind. Because you'll do anything for us. All the mercy and grace in the world, but you will not make up our mind for us. That's the one thing we have to do. To make up our mind to surrender. To give you our life. To give up sin. Father, I pray that you would bring us to that place where we would really surrender and move forward. And know the complete victory and and complete joy and the blessings that we really have in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.